Welcome to Catalytic Conversations. I'm Wendy Dickinson, certified coach and founder of Ascend to Sell. This podcast explores the volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity that business owners face every day. We look at approaches to strategizing, navigating pivot points, and the possible paths of succession or exits. Many owners plan to either grow through an acquisition or sell their company one day. But are they ready? Have owners prepared for future disruptions? My guest, Ann Waple, and her business partners are the perfect people to speak to this particular issue. Ann has a most interesting company, and I'm going to turn it over to her and ask her to introduce herself and tell you, the listener, a bit about what she's up to. Hi, Ann. How are you today? Hi, Wendy. Thanks so much for inviting me. I'm good. Looking forward to this. Me too. Anne, tell us a little bit about your background, what you were doing, and what you're doing now. Yeah, so my background is perhaps not what you might expect with, uh, since you're know, thinking about businesses and, uh, and particularly in mergers and acquisitions. I come from a, a scientific background and uh, spent my graduate school work on looking at climate change and impacts of climate change. Uh, and over the years, I've been in government and in nonprofits, uh, particularly in helping people understand the implications of climate change. And recently, I have begun to run my own business, and we actually have a couple of businesses uh, right now, uh, one of which is focused on scientific support and helping people get access to the right kinds of information that they might need from a science uh, background. Uh, and the other one is actually working directly with businesses, particularly navigating how climate change may or may not impact them over the course of uh, their business operations and the course of their, their ownership and management of a business. So uh, quite a transition over the last 20 years or so, but a, a really fun place to be right now. Well, it is. And Anne, why don't we just grab this bull by the horns and, and just <laughs> own right now that climate change is a hot topic for a lot of debaters. It is a hot topic. Yeah. And no pun intended. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, yeah, one of the things we we really approach all of this with is a, a very politically agnostic approach to all of this. So obviously I come from a scientific background. We like to argue a lot about the ins and outs of uh, what we know and what we don't know. Uh, but really when we're talking about applications of climate science for you know very practical purposes, uh, we're really looking at what it means to navigate not just the physical impacts and risks of changing climate and weather conditions, uh, but also the perceptions of that risk. And the reality is that we all have to deal with that. And so wherever people sit on the political spectrum is a lot less important to us than, than actually doing well in a changing climate. Well, and one of the things that I think you and I have talked about before that makes what you're doing right now so interesting to me as a mergers and acquisitions coach is having that opportunity to recognize extent of disruption in a market that climate change offers. Yes, it's really interesting, and it's on both sides of the coin. So we can look at it both from a risk perspective yeah. and the kinds of challenges you're going to face in terms of continuity of operations and all that kind of uh, challenge, all the way through to 
a real opportunity for people who are at the forefront of considering climate change in their business. And so, uh, so one of the businesses that I've started to talk about is called Climate Optimize. And we're really looking at helping businesses optimize themselves in their operations and their strategy with climate as one of the components of a business strategy. Uh, so we're so certainly we can do and we do uh, a climate risk assessment, but we're also building in this opportunity assessment. And and I should say so climate optimizes. We're interested in acquiring companies, and we have done some significant research in that area. We also consult with and help companies consider climate change in a you know in a more consultative process. Um, and we also have a sort of toolkit where we help people, just investors in particular, think about due diligence and looking at climate risk. And we should say from the outset that whenever we've talked to businesses about whether or not climate features in their thinking, so far, absolutely zero of the companies have really considered climate in any way, either on the risk side of the perspective uh, spectrum or on the opportunity side of the spectrum. And so this leaves a really great gap for people willing to dive into what that means for the company to, to show that leadership uh, space and to, to really demonstrate a, a forward-thinking mindset. And so we're sort of excited to, to work in this area. I have to tell you in my work, with business owners in looking at things like exit strategies and possibly leveraging their businesses for in a merger or an acquisition, that that type of end game thinking or in their minds, longer range planning, it, it really seems to be usually at the bottom of the priority list. And I'm wondering how have you managed to to generate the conversation? Yeah, it's a it's an interesting conversation to start because, of course, be, be partly because climate change has become so politicized, it's not always a very easy conversation to have. But one of the things that's very clear right now is in the large publicly traded companies, climate risk disclosure is now becoming a mandatory part of investment strategies. So there was recently some large-scale advice that came through the, the UN uh, task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures, uh, which is a mouthful, but it was some pretty involved advice on how to develop and disclose climate risk. And there are two types of risk that they looked at. One was transition risk, which for them meant our general pathway towards a low-carbon economy. And so there's transitioning energy use and demand and pricing and being able to get access to energy and so on. And then there's the physical risks associated with a changing climate. And that includes coastal storms, it includes flooding, heavy rainfall, etc. And that, you know, I think if you live in Houston, for example, you'd acknowledge that yes. that uh, flooding and heavy rainfall can be exceptionally disruptive for business operations and not just where you your core assets are, but also, of course, across your supply chain. So, so these are what this is what's happening at the national or the international level, rather. At the national level, we see the Securities and Exchange Commission also requiring climate risk disclosure. The challenge is that nobody quite knows how to do that. 
or at least not in an effective way that's really meaningful for an investor. And what we're looking at is not the publicly traded companies, but really smaller and mid-sized privately held companies, particularly those that are looking for investment or to be acquired. And really helping them stay ahead of this impending requirement for disclosure. We think the investors are now becoming familiar with this sort of language. And so if nothing else, there's a pragmatic need to start to to know that language and understand how to position uh, a small company so that it can uh, not just be less risky in a changing climate, but also really appear to be addressing this in a comprehensive and thoughtful, forward-looking manner. So it's not just about the long term. It is also about the short term. and and I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I, I have to just tell you, I'm sitting here nodding my head because <laughs> I, I actually had a referral a few weeks ago about um, an M&A deal that went sideways and it's a privately held company. And um, they were under the impression that they were within compliance as far as the equipment that they used to mitigate um, the chemicals that the, the production produced. I'll put it that way. I'm trying to be as benign as, as I can without giving any details. Right. And unfortunately, um, the inspectors and the people, the representatives that the company had been working with changed. And so uh, the ball was dropped. And when the new inspector came on site, uh, found that the company was not in compliance. And so the buyer withdrew the offer. Yeah, the, definitely expectations are changing with respect to that. And I think the corporate responsibility now is becoming much more centered around some of these uh, environmental, social, and economic concerns, including climate change. And so as the investors' expectations change, so should the companies being acquired or, or looking for investment. And so we're, we're really trying to help do that, with really with the goal of clearly differentiating between not just maximizing short-term profits, but really maximizing mid- and long-term value for the company. And that, Um, and if I may ask, so is that one of the um, criteria that you use when you're assessing possibility of 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 an acquisition? Yeah, so what we look at with an acquisition was we're, certainly focused on the smaller end of the of the market in terms of uh, the size of companies we are looking at companies that are already doing well and well established in their market um but yes we're looking for people who have maybe have not yet considered climate but are very open to the idea that climate could be differentiated for them and that we are able to then help position them better in a changing climate so we all do better. In other words, we make the company a more responsible and, and viable company, mm-hmm. but we also help maximize that value over the mid and long term. So it's sort of the opposite to a, a acquisition and flip model. And we really want to work with the company to help, you know, just position them for a, for a more adaptive way of working in a changing climate. And do you find that the owners that you've approached are aware of the opportunities that may exist within 
the climate adaptability aspect of the market or are they blind to the the possibilities so far we've found that companies are, and ceos are not thinking about this at all yes but they are thinking about parts of it so if you think about uh, extreme weather you know, mm-hmm. they might be concerned about maybe uh, you know an, an asset on the coast uh, that they're not sure if they've got the right insurance instruments or or whether they should think about relocating uh, or they might be thinking about water price volatility or something like that but putting it together in a more comprehensive climate assessment allows us to look across all of their assets uh, and all of their strategy and help to prioritize in terms of risk mitigation and opportunity enhancement and and so that's that balance is where we become we up with the name of climate optimizers we really want to optimize and help them do that in a flexible way but for the most part the ceos are not thinking that way and so for anyone who does think that way we think that's a you know really big opportunity for people in the investment space yeah so let's talk hypotheticals so let's say i have a company and i make a widget and this widget is really handy in let's say the agricultural realm and and so i've been making my widget and you know i'm scratching my head i think my company might be worth a certain amount but i don't really know i'm not really ready to retire yet so i just kind of want to wait see what happens so so if you and i sat down to talk what are some of the things questions that you might ask or and want answers to right so that's a great example so the agricultural space is is certainly somewhere that we'd be interested in in looking more closely at so let's say your widget helps to save farmers water you know or help them apply fertilizer more precisely for example mm-hmm. we would look at then where you're currently operating and the circumstances in which you're currently operating from a climate perspective but also from a policy perspective so for example the way that california deals with climate policy is very different than some other states so we layer over climate with social expectations policy regulations or or expectations uh, as well as other factors governance and so on uh, and then look at either where that company might think about expanding to really optimize the value of that uh, widget you know in a changing climate uh, so for example we would look at places where water might be increasing in price or where crops are becoming stressed with water volatility uh, all of those kinds of factors um, and then we'll also look at factors like how to communicate and provide outreach around your product so that you get new types of customers who are thinking about this too and we're seeing more and more that the clients and the customers of these companies do have climate in mind when they're thinking about purchasing products uh, and particularly if they're working in natural resources like water uh, then uh, you know the, the companies can really get some benefit just by talking about it in an appropriate way so there are a variety of ways that we would help companies think about how to move into that thinking i see 
And, and so valuation is often a really confusing thing for business owners. Have you and, and your partners run up against um, differences in valuations? And how did you reconcile those differences? We did have uh, several conversations with people where uh, their valuation was different than what we thought it might be. Um, certainly, there are t- sort of two, two thoughts about that. So one is that we would actually like to help companies in some cases when they're thinking, so if, they're, if they don't fit our acquisition profile, for example, or they're not interested in being acquired at this point, we can actually help companies do a better job of appropriately evaluating themselves or valuing themselves, I should say, by incorporating climate. Mm-hmm. And we have seen that companies, when they do that, tend to get a higher purchase price. So that's one way in which we can work with people. Uh, but then we would also, uh, if we decided to acquire a company, obviously work with them to then increase their value over time and uh, help all of the investors <laughs> make some money on that um, and make them a better company in the process. Uh, so there's two ways in which we would work with people. But certainly if you're not thinking about changing the changing circumstances in which you operate, and that's not just the physical climate side, but also the environment, the uh, social and political side of climate, uh, then you're likely to be overstating your value, you know, if you're not thinking about those things. That is so interesting. So it sounds like there are, are actually two ways that people could, companies could work with climate op- optimization. They could approach you as a consultant to introduce mm-hmm. the aspect of climate change and, it, and the various considerations and opportunities that exist. Right. Or um, they could become an attractive acquisition target. Exactly. And we did uh, start to talk to some companies where we have uh, worked with them on assessing their risk and opportunity and, and they actually become part of our potential acquisition list as a result of doing that. So you know, there's, there are definitely a couple of ways that we can work with people. And I, I, I should say we also tried, uh, we've done some work with companies in sort of relatively traditional industries. So, for example, we did some, some beta work with uh, companies who are in the water infrastructure business, so mm-hmm. pipes basically, mm-hmm. um, various aspects of maintaining and monitoring pipe, uh, underground pipes. Uh, and by thinking about how climate may affect their business and where they could expand into as a result of thinking about climate change, uh, it actually set up a- an investment thesis for a parent company who acquired a co- couple of these companies. And the bankers and the investors in that really took on board the climate change thesis. And so we're definitely seeing more openness on the investor side to considering this a real differentiator in the marketplace. Well, as a coach, one of the, um, the things that often bring people to me are, are problems. And it can become so powerful to shift the perception of a quote-unquote problem to see it as an opportunity for growth. Exactly. And, and you've just described that. I mean, beautifully. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yes, we, de- we definitely do the risk assessment because that is mm-hmm. sort of a, um, in some ways a, nece- a necessary and an easier place to start in some, some respects. 
but that opportunity space is, as far as we can see, really wide open mm-hmm. at the moment, particularly for the small and medium-sized privately held company. Yes, I completely agree with you there. So, Anne, tell us a little bit about your partnership, it, because I know you've mentioned you have partners. How did all of you meet, and and how do you, you know, field these decisions and and that sort of thing? <laughs> Yeah, I think it seems like an unlikely partnership when I start to describe it. Uh, We all live in Asheville, North Carolina, which is uh, not exactly a financial hub in most people's uh, (laughs) experience, I think. But what it is, is a climate hub. And so I've spent, uh, gosh, uh, 16 or so years now in Asheville. I used to work for NOAA, for the federal government. And because we have the world's largest archive of weather and climate information in Asheville, uh, which most people don't know, in our federal building here, uh, there's been a a real growth in the enterprise around the use of climate and weather data. It's usually very complicated to work with. And so having some experts in town who are able to translate that, put it into tools, into uh, applications that people can actually use in business or in cities, uh, states and so on uh, has been uh, it's there's a real community that's built around that and we actually created in town uh, an organization called the collider and it's a non-profit group uh, it's been running now for about a year or two this was designed to help businesses provide climate services to other businesses and to nonprofits and cities and so we all happen to have our own businesses as part of the Collider, and we started talking about the fact that no one is really thinking about investors and CEOs and, you know, real sort of business leaders in terms of what they need out of climate information. And we gradually hit on the idea of Climate Optimize with a goal to provide our own mergers and acquisitions company, uh, but along the way providing consulting and tools to help investors and, and CEOs. So there's four of us. I'm a climate scientist by training, and I, I work a lot on adapting to a changing climate. I work with cities and nonprofits and so on. And then we have Laura Lenick, who's Dr. Laura Lenick, I should say. She's sustainable agriculture specialist uh, over the course of her career, and she now owns her own business helping not necessarily directly farmers, but people involved in sustainable agriculture take climate resilience into account. And uh, so she's got some some really interesting work that she's doing. And uh, Jeff Hicks, who is has his own company working primarily with cities on climate resilience planning and giving them really just amazingly layered and, and fantastic data on different kinds of adaptation pathways that cities can take, for example, with stormwater planning or Uh, coastal management. And then we have Tom Barr, who uh, has owned and run businesses all of his career and really excels at being the translator between science and business. And he now runs a parent company uh, focused on water infrastructure. So we have a a diverse range of experience across the climate and business spectrum. And uh, we're really hoping that 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 brings some good tools to the table. Boy, what a great group of people and a great group of minds to bring to this whole issue. 
This is exciting. It's, it's really fun, I have to say. I mean, we're really enjoying ourselves doing this work and knowing at the same time that we're hopefully really helping people do better with their businesses at the same time. So, Anne, I'd like to ask just a couple of specific questions about, you know, prospects and acquisitions from the perspective of your partnership. How does how does being an acquirer differ from being a business owner? Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, so a lot of the people that we speak to who are business owners uh, have have founded their company. Mm-hmm. They're very obviously attached to this to their company for a variety of reasons. It's perhaps a family-run company as well. And they really want to leave a legacy that's, that's important to them, that continues the success of their organization. As an acquirer, we obviously want that company to see some significant returns on our investment. At the same time, and there are a variety of different people who acquire companies, and mm-hmm. I think some of the acquirers in the world are only interested in that return on investment. That's very true. Yes. Well, what we really want to emphasize when we're talking with people is that we share their perspective for a legacy of the company. If it's going to do well and do better in a changing climate, then we're all better off for that. We we all get to make a little money while doing good in the world. And that's something we really hope resonates with the people we're talking with. And I certainly understand that from my own perspective of running a company too. I'd be very wary about who I would talk to about acquiring it. Um, so we really try to work with business owners from that uh, sort of personal perspective. Thank you. I appreciate your mentioning that because I really feel as though values alignment is so important as far as integration after an acquisition has taken place. And mindset, right. you've mentioned mindset, that that's so important and, and awareness. But I, I think that the values alignment is, is equally important. Yep. And I should say that we have decided against acquisitions for that reason, is that we didn't feel like we would have alignment with the CEO or with the leadership uh, after the sale, you know, after the purchase. Uh, And we we didn't think that that was going to be good for anybody involved. So even if the company was highly profitable. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's, we're we're trying to be very thoughtful about that as we go forward. And and we hope that our, our partners and our companies appreciate that too. Yeah, it's good to hear that there are organizations in the world that are taking cultural due diligence into account because um, <laughs> it, it's it's key in a successful integration. Yeah, that's great. And we're obviously adding a specific element of environmental due diligence, yes. so it's all it all seems to work together somehow. It certainly does. And we've come about to the end of our time. And I just wondered, is there anything else that you'd like to mention that we haven't had a chance to touch on? I feel like you and I could talk about this for much longer than 30 minutes. <laughs> I know, there's so, there's so much to talk about. But I, I think the only thing that I would close with is that fundamentally, when we talk about climate risk and opportunity, we see it as a governance issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the really easy ways to start infusing this idea of 
climate change into your business operations is to make sure that someone in the C-suite or someone in the boardroom can bring that perspective. And it, that means that it's sort of constantly in the back of, the, of your mind or in part of the conversations. Uh, and even groups like BlackRock have noted that companies that have climate change as part of their governance tend to do better. Uh, their value tends to be higher. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't seem like a coincidence uh, globally. And so, and we don't think so either. And so one of those sort of first steps can be to make sure that it actually comes up in conversation in, in the governance decisions a company is making. This this is such an important topic, and I'm really so pleased that, that you were able to come and be a guest on the show and, and share so much of this perspective and opportunity around climate change within the mergers and acquisition space. Thanks for inviting me. This has been a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. And and if listeners would like to get in touch with you or Climate Optimize, could you please give us your contact information? And I'll also include those things in the show notes. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, we would be uh, happy for people to reach out to us and, and, and happy to hear people's perspectives too, and, and including if, if this is not making much sense to people or if you want to know more, we would love to hear about that. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to give you my business information that's, uh, that I check most regularly, but it's uh, Anne at studio30k.com, Anne at studio30k.com. Uh, and, uh, and that's the email I use most for all of these things. And uh, yeah, and, and uh, if you can include that in your, your podcast information, that would be fantastic. Absolutely. And listeners, that is Anne with an E, A-N-N-E at studio... studio. 30k.com. Yeah. 30k.com. Awesome, Anne. Thank you. And listeners, Thank you. if you'd like to learn more about working with me as your coach, feel free to call me at 804-372-7575 or go to my website, ascendtosell.com. I'd love it if you'd leave a review on iTunes and share this podcast with your contacts. And I'm going to echo Anne's sentiment. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much and have a great day. Bye, Anne. Bye, Wendy.